Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 144, The Skies Are Opening. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there. Wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. Thank you for letting me into your lives. And thank you for the feedback from last week's podcast. I was very excited that I had inspired so many of you. And I hope today we'll we'll do the same thing. It's been quite a week for me. When is it not? But I will, if I'm going to blame anything, I'll blame Jupiter squaring my midheaven, Jupiter in Pisces at the moment. And what it's doing is really opening us all up, not just me, to unlimited possibilities. The skies are opening. There is, there is no limit. But it's also opening us up to things that we may have kept in a closet or things that we hadn't considered before. And hence, here we see the official report on UFOs, UAPs. And of course, what did it say? It said, We don't know. There is no evidence of ETs. But what they really meant was we don't know how to collect the evidence or the data about ETs. So we don't really know what we're looking at here. And of course, there were these edgy ideas about, well, maybe they're bad guys and maybe they're here to hurt us because that's the only mechanism we know about. Either we are the oppressors or we're being oppressed. There's no other option here. We can't even start to think that someone might actually come here because they like us or they want to include us or they want to be friends with us. Or maybe they just want to help us to wake up to who we are. And that's why the the skies are opening. Because there are millions of people who believe that we are not alone, that we believe that hopefully we're not alone. We're not the only people here. And maybe you've seen a UFO. Maybe you've been in connection to star people. Many, many indigenous people speak about this, that they were beings who didn't look like them. Maybe they were taller. Maybe they were shorter. Maybe they had different colored skins. Have you had those experiences? I've talked about this before. Some of you have a connection to Sirius or the Pleiades, Orion, Arcturians, but others of you just like, I know there's something out there. Maybe I've had that relationship and I want to know more. And so, of course, the very fact that we as a collective being are saying we want to know more, we want to wake ourselves up to this, has caused the desire or the need for people to say, okay, let's look at what's out there and then we'll write a report and we'll tell them that we don't know what's going on. Well, I don't think that's actually taken away anything from us. The fact that officially they don't know what's going on doesn't make me think, well, that's it, then I'm going to pull away. In fact, it makes me more curious. I hope it makes you more curious. And there were so many episodes and revelations about this and how we as a collective now are not willing just to go along with the official line anymore. What's what are we being told? And this is really quite exciting because I'm seeing these little snippets come out where 
science is getting to be distorted by the people who are reporting it. In other words, we always know that whoever is doing the research on a certain object has already got a bias, and their bias is to make sure that whatever they say is going to support what whoever it is that is funding the research. And that, of course, is a, a well known. So if you're funding research to say that sugar is good for you, guess who's what it's going to come out with? Sugar is good for you. <laughs> and it reminds me of seeing the time where, you know, everything about fats was bad or you mustn't have fat in your diet. Low fat is good. And I remember seeing a bag of sugar on the shelf and it said, this product has no fat in it. No, it's just full of sugar and it's going to give you diabetes. <laughs> But, you know, that's how we are told this information. Don't worry, this is really good for you because it has no fat. It's just got other problems. And that's so, so cunning. And it's misleading. For instance, we, well, if you've been following the news about the myocarditis problems, the problems with the heart, with young people. And again, they cut off this point at 18, you know, just so that, Anybody who's going to college who might be older than 18, this doesn't include them. So we've got these so-called so 12 to 17-year-olds who have a higher instance of myocarditis with the vaccines. And it's like, okay, we should be looking at this. Oh, we are looking at it. So yes, several countries are now saying children under the age of 18 should not be taking the vaccine. And... <laughs> You know, I hear the most ridiculous statements being made by doctors, and I will again see this saying, well, there's no, you know, they're not actually, there's no long-term side effects. Well, hang on a minute. You've got them on anti-inflammatories, you've got them on steroids, you've got them on heart disease tablets. Uh, how can you say that there's no long-term side effects? First of all, you're, while anybody's on treatment, you cannot define their prognosis or their outcome. And secondly, you don't know. You are talking about one month, two months inquiry. You don't know what's going to happen. And of course, this is where we would all say these drugs that are being given, being masked as vaccines, really uh, should have had much more long-term uh, surveillance. And this has not happened. So, you know, the idea that we're seeing things where someone says, well, it really doesn't matter. These are just a few cases. Well, hang on a minute. How many cases of myocarditis did you see last year in a 12 to 17 year old, you know, in any any country? Oh, very few. Well, are you seeing more? Yes. Then this is not a healthy drug. You know, why are we allowing people to say, well, five cases, 10 cases, 15 cases? No cases is really the only safe thing. <laughs> and if that's the norm, then that's what we need to be looking at. And I was watching Del Bigtree last week, who talking on the high wire, I hope you follow this. And he was showing up a report that had been brought out about the effect of the vaccine on pregnant women. And he was showing with uh, Jeffrey Jackson a, a really cunning way that it, the, the spin had been put on this information where they were looking at uh, before 12 weeks, it usually, or even before 20 weeks, I think sometimes it's called this, let's say before 20 weeks, if someone has a miscarriage, it is called a spontaneous miscarriage or a spontaneous abortion, I should say. But 
After 28 weeks, it's called a stillbirth. Okay, I'll go along with that. So after 28 weeks, if a baby dies in utero, unfortunately, it's called a stillbirth. If it's before 20 weeks, it's called a spontaneous abortion. And the, the cunningness of the report was that there was no evidence of spontaneous abortions in anybody over the age, uh, over the period of time of 28 week pregnancy. Do you hear me there? They said there are no spontaneous abortions in a woman who is, uh, carried her baby over 28 weeks. Well, no, because that is not the definition of a spontaneous abortion. That happens in the first 20 weeks. So telling me that no, no woman had a spontaneous abortion after 28 weeks is saying, they're trying to say, look, it's safe. Look, it's totally safe. There were no spontaneous abortions after 28 weeks. Well, hang on a minute. How many stillbirths were there? Oh, there were several of those. It's so cunning how this information is just twisted. And, you know, if you're not watching, you just go along with this and you say, oh, that's wonderful or not. But, when, you know, this is really bad reporting and bad reporting in the way that it causes us to be blind to the truth. And unless you even want to go deeper, then you don't see this. And of course, this is certainly true of the Delta variant that is now all the rage, if I can call it that. But again, if you listen to Yearden speak, Dr. Yearden, you know, he's speaking about how much variation is there in this genome. So he is the expert. He worked for Pfizer. He's worked in this field of genetics and biology for a long time. And he said, when we look at the genome, the actual variation between what it was March last year or December of the year before and now is not great, less than 2%. But we are making out that this, or we are being told, I should say, that this variant is really causing so much more problem. Now, maybe it is, maybe it's, they're saying it's more transmissible, but how do we know that? Are you actually telling me that he, what he's saying about the variation is, which he's saying is very minimal, that it's become so variant that it's causing a distortion and we need to be very mindful and maybe have a booster, which is what's coming in. And what they've done is look at the genome back in, I think, 2003, where there was SARS-CoV-1. And what they saw was that these people who had had SARS-CoV-1 were still had a great protection from the SARS-CoV-2. They said that even though there was a variation, and I'm going to say about 50% variation from SARS-CoV-1 to SARS-CoV-2, even with a 50% variation, these individuals who had SARS-CoV-1 still had a natural immunity against SARS-CoV-2 even with that much variation. So what he's saying, when there's only a small variation, this is not therefore relevant, or it isn't the cause of the up increase, I should say, of COVID. So what is? What we're not seeing, is it? How many of us know, how many of the people who are being reported as having COVID have actually been vaccinated? That is the information I want. I'm not, it's not a judgment, but please stop call, making me feel as if I'm stupid. I don't know things. 
if you really are ready to be upfront, tell me, these are the numbers who were vaccinated who got COVID or had some, some variant, etc. And these are the people who were not vaccinated and who experienced COVID. That's the information I now want, not just numbers, not just being told that these people all have COVID and their cases, we're back to cases again, that we can't actually measure and having a PCR test that is totally inaccurate after of cycling over 30. I mean, I know you've heard me speak about this, but so many of these tests are inaccurate or the way they're being done. And here we go. So there's a lot of information coming out. And what uh, Dr. Yerdin had said is that his greatest concern was what was going to happen in September when the boosters were going to be introduced. The boosters saying, we have to give you a booster against a variant. So what I'm saying is these variants are not so variable as they're trying to make out. They may not actually be the, the, the increasing cases may not be due just to a pure coronavirus. It may have an inf be influenced by the vaccine. And then thirdly, he said that once these boosters come out, because they've already been licensed, to give this vaccine for the first time in the second dose. Once the booster comes out, there's no need for the pharmaceutical company to actually reveal what is in the booster. And that's what his concern is. So please look him up, find him on Google, wherever you want to find him. Probably won't find him on Google, but look him up. Um, he was definitely on the high wire a few weeks ago because there are so many good people who are stepping up. They are well-known scientists in this field who are being taken off the main airways and they have a voice, they have a, they have a science and a knowledge. And then what else we're watching is the scapegoating going on. I'm sure it's not happening just in USA or the UK, it may happen in other places, but we're watching people who were seen as the expert in this field and they are being taken down and they are being seen as corrupt or doing things they shouldn't be doing, as in cases that we might see in the UK. But these are really lambs to the slaughter. I mean, basically, they're just being uh, sent up as scapegoats, hoping that everybody will say, good, you got rid of that person, then we can all settle down. That's not enough. It's not about putting someone up to be the fall guy. And nothing should happen like that. And once again, I, I hope you know, I just want truth. I just want honesty. I want those skies to open and for us to be able to say, what is the truth here? What's going on? I think we're old enough to accept that. And I think we can all make decisions based on that. And maybe that's what this is calling on us all, because I've never seen so many people awakening, so many people questioning, whether it's the UFOs or the vaccines or the COVID or the lot, whatever. People are questioning in numbers that they wouldn't have done before. Their, their, their eyes are opening, aren't they? I mean, we're all seeing that. And those who aren't, okay, they're making that choice, which is their choice, to toe the party line or toe the line or just I just leave me alone and let me get on with my life. Absolutely perfect. But if there's nothing that else that's happened in this last 18 months now, it should be that 
we're questioning. We're questioning who we are. We're questioning what makes us tick. We're questioning what doesn't work for us. And it's okay to question. It's not a bad thing. It's actually how we grow as babies, isn't it? It's the very fact that we wish to step outside the arena of where our cot or our crib is. We wish to explore the world. The reason I believe that children get up off their knees or off their bottoms is they want to walk. They want to see more of the world. They want to reach out. I mean, we've all done that. And that's normal. We need to reach out. We're not reaching out in a negative way or going, we are literally here to be creative beings. We can't do it if we're just sitting on the floor all the time. So I love that curiosity. I love that awakening. And if others find it difficult for us to ask questions, I know that sometimes we can get defensive, like why you are, you know, you know, get like having to explain ourselves, having to justify ourselves. But I think there's another good question to ask is why is what I'm doing bothering you so much? It's, it's my life, it's not yours. Why are you bothered? Why are you bothered that I'm making choices that aren't the same as yours? You make your choices, go for it. I won't bother you, you don't bother me. And I was aware of how much I remember, and you know that Bashar, who I've listened to and I've suggested BASHAR.org, how he talked about last year and even into this year, how we were going through a prism. And if you imagine one light going into the prism, but many lights coming out, the prism breaks that white light into many different frequencies of light, colors. And he said that as we come out of this prism, as we come out of what I've also called the eye of the needle, coming out of the cocoon, we'll actually come out not just one world, you know, the same light went in, the same light came out, we'll come out in many worlds. And I know I've talked about this before, this idea that the, we are living the dreams of Gaia. We are not all living the same dream of Gaia. So when someone says, well, the world's coming to an end, that's how they're viewing their dream or that's what they're seeing at the end of their dream. It might be something very different for you. And what he said is, as we come out, our ability to make contact with our star family or with the ETs, whatever you want to call them, or your guides, will vary depending on how much we've opened ourselves up to other possibilities. So it's not a judgment, but if we've chosen, as I've said before, to put our hands over our ears or our mouth or our eyes, then it's harder for to listen. And I've spoken about how important it is to both listen to our heart, but also to keep that silver thread running through our pineal gland, our crown chakra, to keep us, our, our sky open, to keep ourselves open to the sky, open to possibilities. It isn't about being just very uh, vulnerable or, you know, gullible. <laughs> it's about possibilities. It could. I, I'm open. You know, it's like saying, yeah, maybe there are ETs, maybe there aren't. But I'm not shutting the doors. And this is the place I feel that we're in. And for me, this last week, as I mentioned, that things came to a climax almost, I think it was on Monday, where everything around me seemed to break. Have any of you had that experience? Uh, it's almost like the cars 
fuel uh, fuel pump died something else the batteries died the lights went off yes some of you know this um the things that i've been able to log into suddenly i couldn't the password wouldn't work everything i touched just wouldn't work and it really did feel like i was in this rush of energy that was just i i couldn't control so everything around me was glowing some of you have that influence all the time on computers and phones and and lights yes and it but it felt very unsettling to me because it was almost like there was just too much but over the last couple of days it's that settled and i was aware that one of the facets that really was shown to me was a belief that i still carry that is if things go wrong it must be my fault so i found myself apologizing or thinking what did i do wrong and i realized that's a belief that is in the way of my divine light coming through and when i get panicky like that when things start i think what did i do wrong does anybody else think like that my husband has more of a tendency to think what did someone else do wrong <laughs> but i tend to take it personally and I just feel that, as I've mentioned before, what's happening is Jupiter is in Pisces, and again, these skies are opening. This cosmic energy is entering into our planet. It is pushing before it every belief, every emotion, every unfinished story that we need to, to, to take on board, face, not project onto others, and say, okay, where am I holding myself back? Where's my belief not allowing me to feel unlimited? Where do I not feel that abundance? And that certainly happened, as I mentioned, around COVID. People's fear of death, people's fear of being alone, people's fear of other people not, you know, not trusting other people. They're not new emotions. All of these things are coming. Someone's out to oppress me. Someone's out to hurt me. Someone's better than me. Someone's jealous of me. Someone, all of this la 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 that defines our, our lives and limits our lives are coming home to roost and saying, do you want to carry on with that or not? Is that where you want to limit your life or my life in that way? So there's a lot of clearing going on. This isn't about necessarily having deep therapy. I don't need to go and find out where did this belief come from. I just need to say, I choose that it is part of me, but I choose for it not to actually limit me anymore. I do not believe that everything is my fault or is anybody else's fault, that things happen and that things happening allow me to settle back into how do I let new experiences come into my life without having to define them as my fault or someone else's, let's say. Things happen. And I say that in a way of when I try to understand a situation like that and therefore put myself in the framework of it must have been my fault, it's like me dealing with chaos in a way that says, oh, good, now I know it was my fault or whatever it is. This is my last piece for this podcast. It's like, how do we deal with chaos? How do we actually allow new things to come into our life? Or things that we didn't plan? And this is where I believe we are heading into. It's not that we can alter events. 
but we can make choices how we enter those events, how we, how we engage with those events. And part of that is that, again, during these last few days, I had been listening to various announcers, instructors, talk about the chaos that's coming, the end of the world, the problems that we're heading into. And at the same time, I had been reading about 12,000 years ago, 24,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, where there had been major events that had happened in our life, happened on this planet, that had caused enormous, we could say, destruction to humans and every other form of life that we share this planet with. Something called the Younger Dryas was said to have caused waves that were almost as high as mountains. And whole islands possibly just disappeared at various times due to maybe the pole change, the exchange of the pole from north to south, or the earth tilting, or a meteor striking us. And all those things could happen. And they're nothing, they are nothing to do with us. And I think what came out of that was religion teaching people, it's your fault. You did that. If only you hadn't done that, this wouldn't have happened. God was angry with you. And I don't believe that. Just as I don't believe that I am the cause of everybody's unhappiness, I'm not that powerful. And I'm also not the cause of everybody's happiness. I'm not that powerful. I believe that huge shifts in natural disasters or natural events, let's call them, have been used as a weapon against humanity, especially by religious groups, where they've said, aha, now we have you. And that, again, is that form of oppression, oppressed by our own sense of guilt, our own sense of something we did wrong. That has to end. Because such as a meteor striking or the earth tilting or the earth, this happens. This has been happening for hundreds of thousands of years to our planet. And it's not because she's angry with us or it's not because we've done something wrong. It's part of the evolution of Mother Earth, part of our evolution. And what I read was that after these events, there were beings who came, teachers who came to teach the people who were left, you know, some of the technologies that might have been forgotten. And they built these wonderful stellas, uh, statues to show this was a meteor that came in, or this was what happened, the earth tilted. But you know, I don't think they would have spent all that time creating something just to say, hey, something came and hit our earth. In other words, hey, watch out, something could come and hit your earth if you're not careful, or watch out, the earth could tilt. It feels like, I don't I think that was a waste of energy. How would we prepare ourselves for such a thing? I don't think the teachings were about be, be prepared. It felt like live your life fully now. Don't live with regret. Things could happen. But how do you want to live your life today? Not waiting for something to happen. That was what I took away from this. Natural events have always happened. But it comes down to how we wish to live now. And I think that's what many of us have 
perhaps in the past thought about if we had only six months to live, what would I do differently? People who have been on their deathbed, you know, they've never said, I wish I'd worked more. They've often said, why didn't I tell that person I love them? Why didn't I take more time out to play? Why didn't I spend more time with my family? Why didn't I take that risk and do the thing that I kept dreaming about? So it's not a bad idea to say, what am I putting off? Not because some disaster will happen, not because you're going to die, you're all going to die, that's not a good reason. But if, if life was going to end, I don't want to live in fear waiting for it to happen. I want to live my fullest, knowing that that's part of the cycle, part of being a cosmic being. And finally, this idea came out, uh, someone talked about cosmic morality. I come all the way round to my ETs. And if ETs were to land on this planet now, and they are, but let's just say if they were landing, how would we meet them? What do we want to show them about ourselves? Because truly, if they landed in certain parts of the world and might even be in your, your own part of the world, they would maybe see people who didn't trust them or felt that they were going to hurt them or maybe didn't treat each other well or didn't treat nature well. I mean, is that what we want them to see? I mean, who, how do we want to introduce ourselves to other beings? How do we want to show them that we are people who are, have, we are worthy to be relating to and that we have a cosmic morality, that we treat each other well, we don't have a fear of other individuals? Now, you might say, oh, we should be frightened. What if you came from a planet where that wasn't even a necessity? You can have a little wariness. But what if you met people who don't have that fear that other people are going to hurt them? Could we meet them in a place of love and consciousness? Could we, could we exchange energy? And could we show them that our hearts actually are open to meeting and greeting and that we are ready for those who want to meet us in that place and maybe first we have to do it for ourselves just as I learnt last week or this week that loving myself treating myself with kindness and respect is the first step and allowing myself to not be so serious about things so how do we want to show up knowing that a very, very small proportion of us on Earth would want to hurt another human being. Our natural tendency is to love, to share, to be kind, to be generous, to be inquisitive. And let's live that way, which will then invite those who also have that frequency to join us. And like those people who appeared after the disasters are coming now to say, you don't have to have that disaster to expand our consciousness, to awaken to who we are, to be that star being and for the skies to open. I hope that inspires you. It inspires me to be part of your life and to be walking my talk. So until next week, sending many blessings now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. 
Heartspeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. You can also watch the Archive Podcast on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak.